Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer, as always, on the East Coast. And we are looking at six games here on a Thursday night, a uh, decent size slate for a Thursday. And uh, this one, we're taking a look at the Magic. They're hosting the Yaz. Uh, so we'll talk about some of the numbers and the total probably in this one. Uh, also have another game video and our player props up for you. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along with us all season long. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can get, get all of the written content that we have for you guys all season long. Plenty of player props up there as well. Uh, you also have that odds finder tool up there that we have for you guys. You can make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from from these U.S. sports books all season long. Nate, let's go ahead and get into this slate and then talk about this Magic and Jazz game. We got Rockets plus 10 at the Pacers. Rockets have lost, uh, what, 12 of their last 14, with the exception being the Spurs giving them games. Hornets minus four at Pistons. Uh, no Lamelo for Charlotte. No Boyan for the Pistons. This game, we got Jazz plus three at Magic. Total is at 234. The Warriors, the uh, non-road Warriors, minus two and a half at Memphis, another team that is sputtering in their own right. Just going to steer clear of that one for now and uh, watch for some spicy uh, fights that might happen perhaps. And the Nets are plus 12 at Milwaukee. Dinwiddie and Cam Johnson are not going to play in that one. The other game we break down is the game of the night, I think pretty undisputed. Knicks plus two and a half at Kings. You just hope Jalen Brunson plays. That total's been climbing all the way to 238, uh, and and we'll talk about that one in a minute. But yeah, this total also has climbed a little bit from 232 to 234, and I was already on the under at 232. Uh, I mean, the Jazz have a reputation of being this incredibly high-scoring game, sixth sixth in points on the season, but lately it's been a, a real struggle. I mean, in the last four, 108 points per game with a 104 rating. Uh, the last seven, it's been a struggle in terms of nearly equal assists to turnovers. Uh, they're dependent on the three, but they're only hitting 11 per game at 31%. Still playing with, with a lot of pace uh, for sure, but the Magic are a team that limits pace, especially at home. We're talking about a 98 pace this season. And we've thrown in a lot of things recently to be like, oh, this team always goes over in this situation except against Orlando. Um, so why not take an under with Orlando? They they are coming off two straight overs at home against the Bucks and the Dame Lillards, which are their own kind of unique situation. Under in five straight prior, uh, under in 11 of their last 16 overall. Uh, we're talking Wendell Carter Jr. out, which lowers their assists, threes, offensive rating. They've they've lost five of their last seven without him, uh, including three straight at home. I don't know if I can really pick the Jazz to win right now because uh, you seem, you know, I, I don't know if Danny Ainge is tanking in terms of who's going to play or holding out Jordan Clarkson because they don't want to win, but... Uh, they certainly hamstrung themselves by trading Mike Conley and uh, and Vanderbilt and Beasley at the deadline and just kind of sacking their depth. And now it's really the Lori Markinen show. We don't know if Clarkson's going to play or if Walker Kessler's going to play, which would help the under, you know, if you know Kessler's going to play, uh, because this is a heavily emphasis on interior play for the Orlando Magic. Um, in the last time he played them, he had seven blocks in 27 minutes. I will lean on the fact that 
Uh, Agbaji, who's his backup right now, also had two blocks in 26 minutes and dwarfed his plus minus with plus 23. So I think the Jazz can guard the interior against Orlando with with or without blocker Kessler here. The last meeting was in Utah. It totaled only 220. And, and Utah is another team that scores an insane amount of points typically at home. But they did not shoot. Uh, or Orlando shot pretty well from three, which is surprising. Um, the Jazz did not, but they got 40 free throw attempts, including 21 for Laurie Markkinen. They won the rebounding battle by 20. And they won the game despite having nine more turnovers than assists. Both Markkinen and Clarkson struggled with turnovers, shot just 35% combined. Jordan Clarkson, if he plays, is dealing with a thumb injury that seems to be hampering his shot. And now in five games without Clarkson this season, the Jazz scoring 109 with a poor rating. So I just think that there's going to be some some negative regression in terms of Markkinen not being able to get to the line that many times. The Magic have seen him relatively recently. They they kind of know how to like steer away from that contact and try to make him beat them. Uh, and, and there's just not any other offensive weapons right now. I mean, Colin Sexton is also out. There's just not much for the Jazz offense to make you think that they're going to light up Orlando. And Orlando is not a team typically that scores a ton of points either, especially at home. Yeah, all, all well said. Um I'll just start by saying the only thing that scares me about the over is the pace that that they're playing. I mean, the Magic also upped their pace uh, roughly over the last, you know, since since the All-Star break. They're up to about 101 uh, in that pace. And, I'm, and that's in part because of what you were saying a minute ago. The teams that, you, that you've seen them play at home recently between Portland and Milwaukee. Milwaukee playing at a very, very fast pace as well now. Um, and then for Charlotte as well, uh, a game that Charlotte actually didn't come along for the ride, but uh, the uh, the Orlando Magic looked really good on deep, on offense, as teams are wont to do against the Hornets right now. Uh, but yeah, I think the key thing here is uh, we don't use the T word on this show. No one said no one said that. No one said anyone was tanking. Um, but when you trade a stud like Jared Vanderbilt, who's a top five wing defender in the league um, at such a young age, he can't shoot. That's fine, but like he, he's you know, just incredible on defense right now. You get rid of him. Um, obviously, Mike Conley really wasn't, wasn't you know, for him at that point, um, you know, he, he needed to leave anyway. But um, m- more importantly, like that, that Jordan Clarkson set out, Blocker Kessler set out the other night as well, we saw, and it could just be the same thing here. That means we're starting guys like Simone Fontecchio, um, who got the start the other night. He's getting 24 minutes a game for this team. I'm sure everyone's very familiar with his resume, the 27-year-old rookie out of Italy. Um, and then Taylor Horton Tucker is also getting 33 minutes a game. And I'm not going to trash him. I mean, he's looked all right uh, here and there. But, like, that's just a clear indication of, like, we had a really solid NBA roster. We don't want it for the future, though. And so we got rid of the key parts. And then now we're playing guys who, you know, whatever. You, you play guys in this situation who aren't as good for a reason. Um, and that reason is to be the 13 seed that they are right now and, and hold on to that, um, even though they're only like a game and a half out of the, the playing tournament. So uh, it, it just doesn't seem like they're going for it. But I think the, the other thing uh, about the Jazz team and their ability to score points at this point is Laurie's going to do his thing. But like you said, he, if he's going to be dependent on free throw attempts, um, it's either going to be threes or free throws that he has to get hot from. Right. And if you take away um, the free throws because of how well Orlando is guarding that area, you know, that sort of particular stat and and really the, the rim in general with without Wendell Carter. Um, maybe there's a, a bit more uh, trouble there in terms of giving up points down low for, for Markkinen. Um, but once again, if he's the only guy, if he's doing it from, from, you know, from deep or from down low, I, 30 points, fine. Like I'm not really worried about uh, 
the total getting over just because one guy on their squad is able to get that because of the fact that they're not really trotting out an NBA squad uh, nearly as much anymore. So, I mean, the, the combined score and it's since since the All-Star break, like for these two teams, they're they're averaging uh, each like a total of like 224. One of them is averaging 111 points a game there uh, for the for the Jazz. It's just been awful, right, since uh, since the All-Star break. And then for the Magic, the 113 um, for them, it's their, their offensive rating pretty good, um, but still only, you know, the 113 points a game and then the better defense at home, like you said. So I, I would prefer under starting with just who, like I said, Utah's trotting out there. I just don't trust them to be able to get that po- those points. Yeah. And it makes us kind of lean towards Orlando as well, doesn't it? Yeah. To say like, look, the Jazz might actually be trying to lose these games. This is the fourth game of a six game road trip for them. Even if they're not trying, it's kind of exhausting. And uh, we don't expect much offense other than a, a transcendent performance from marketing. And that's, that might not even get it done. Uh, typically, you know, the magic do a much better job limiting free throw attempts. They allow just 16% of their points <clears throat> to opponents off free throws. They're eighth in paint points allowed at home, fifth in assist to turnover ratio in their last three. So all the things that Utah struggled with lately, you know, ball control, and efficiency uh, doesn't seem like it's really going to be there. And I mean, they'd have to hit a high percentage of threes and that just hasn't been there either without Clarkson and Beasley and all those guys that we mentioned. So yeah, I mean, Orlando is, is your horse. You do like to ride them at times uh, when we, whenever we do talk about them at minus three, it's, it's not, not great, but maybe the Orlando money line plus under is some good odds here. Um, you know, we were talking about three and eight straight up for the Jazz when they're on a rest disadvantage. And this exhausting road trip, um, you know, combined with the fact that who they're trotting out there is, is yeah. a lot of rookies uh, makes you think maybe Orlando can get it done. Yeah, the only the only thing I would say about Orlando is I, I like them in slightly different situations. I like them at plus eight at home uh, against the Bulls or, or or some team even a little bit better than the Bulls, right? Like they they and the Pacers, I just love when you've got like above seven point spread for those types of teams. The Magic are two and six at, against the spread as home favorites. Uh, not the situation that I like them in. They're failing. Uh, they're, they're actually uh, have a minus three margin of victory. You know, they're, they're losing games by an average of three um, at, in, in those situations straight up. Uh, so I, I really don't love to, to think about them being, you know, being in this position, having to win. Um, I, I could see Utah jumping out to somewhat of an early lead and then maybe, you know, Orlando grinding this thing down a bit um, and getting a bit, a bit more of those two pointers that they score to, to slow things down uh, on their on the offensive side. So um, either way, I do like the under a bit and I'm not necessarily uh, feeling too good to have to get any points. And, and I think Utah could win the game at the end just as easily uh, if they're if they are hanging around like I kind of expect them to. So and then we have. Knicks plus two and a half right now at the Kings. Did this total actually open at 225 or was that a misprint somewhere? I can't imagine it was a misprint. That's what I saw when it opened last night. If that's the case, like some, some odds maker is, is getting demoted because that was, that has been hammered, hammered, hammered since, and it's now 238 and a half Sacramento averages, Nearly 250 points per game at home uh, since the start of January. So against the Knicks team that that has been on fire on offense and uh, lately that 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 does seem completely off. Now we're in the territory where it's like, well, it's been bet up so much that I don't really want any part of it anymore. Uh, I might even like keep waiting 
and say like guys, if it gets to 240, 242, then you take the under at this point because it isn't a Knicks team that that will limit the paint. Um, the Kings have not been as prolific shooting threes lately. And we don't know if De'Aaron Fox is going to have his explosion here after missing a couple games with a hamstring issue. Uh, he's fully expected to play. The biggest thing this game is contingent on, though, is whether Jalen Brunson's going to play after missing those last two with the foot. And then they lose to Charlotte in that one. Um, look, if, I mean, even if Jalen plays, I like the Kings. I, I think this just means more to them. I think the Knicks have proven their stuff during that streak, beating the Celtics twice, etc. Um, I, I don't think out-of-conference games are going to carry the same weight for them in terms of, like, we need to get this one. And the Kings are fighting like hell to get this two seed, which they just grabbed, and then now they're going to hold on to it. And, and you know, just to make the playoffs, it's just such a woebegone franchise. I guess they both are to a degree, but... The Kings are, are, have not lapsed in their concentration at really at any point, but especially at home, uh, you know, beating the Clippers twice in this span, these really high scoring games, very impressive stuff. Um, the, and Mike Brown, I, I feel like is the type of coach to know how to attack a Tom Dibodeau defense. They just beat the Knicks without De'Aaron Fox, which is a, a huge difference in their splits scoring one Oh nine without him versus one twenty two. When he's in there, he was on an absolute tear before uh, missing a couple with that hamstring injury. The The concern is that they're kind of sieve-like in the paint um, and that they limit field goals, assisted field goals, but the Knicks don't, don't really depend on that at all. They're also dead last in opponents' two-point percentage. So if Jalen plays, there's certainly a good argument that, that this there will be a lot of points in this game because – he's able to operate so much inside the three-point arc, get himself or other guys good looks there. But I still think it kind of goes under 240. Uh, It's just a feeling that the Knicks aren't, you know, your typical team that we've seen coming to Sacramento lately, a la the Clippers, who just are fine, just completely running up and down, going nuts. Uh, They've gone over in eight of their last 10 against Western Conference teams, have the Knicks... But it, it's kind of skewed by some of the teams they play. They play like the shell of the Suns, the shell of the Warriors, and lighting those teams up. Not necessarily the same thing as when you have a Kings team that, that's that's motivated. And what they do defensively is really, it's as impressive as, as offensively, right? I mean, let's concentrate on the fact that the Knicks are winning games because they're a two-way team. Because they have Josh Hart now. They're better defensively. <clears throat> and on the road in their last six, one five of them, limiting fast break points, pain points as always. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I just think they'll be able to slow down the Kings breaking offenses enough and that Sabonis won't necessarily be able to control the paint on offense with Mitchell Robinson there hounding him. So I don't think the Kings are going to be scoring like 125 like they usually do. And that makes me lean under a little bit. Yeah, I mean, two thirty eight and a half is is high, but I think you you sort of opened with uh, a, a pretty startling point that the Kings games average close to two fifty in Sacramento, so that's terrifying. Um, I would still, I'd, I'd probably still 
take an over if I was going to hit the total on this one. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really, everything I want to say is dependent on Jalen Brunson playing. I also want to make a few quick points. One, the Knicks are not a Wobegon franchise. They, they don't have the longest playoff drought in the history in, in sports right now, like the Kings do. So let's just start there, <laughs> which a drought that's about to end. Thank, thank you, Sacramento. Yeah, you the other thing, that. the Knicks did win their, <laughs> Knicks won their prior matchup uh, in New York. That was a different game. De'Aaron Fox didn't play in it. Do what you will with D Fox right now. Cause like you were saying, you know, 26 and a half points feels high for a guy coming back from a hamstring injury, missing two games. Um, but at the same time, like he was averaging 33 points a game in his seven games prior to that uh, injury, which is a terrifying stat and seven assists as well. Um, which, you know, feels like maybe his his prop is low at that point if you think that there are going to be points in this game but it, once again I think it comes down to Jalen to be honest with you um the, the there's the startling splits that these two teams have when their point guards don't play um is it's it's really obvious it's really stark right without Fox uh the Kings score 109 points a game this season with him the 122 like th- this engine doesn't run without him right he is that the engine um of the entire car this offense and then for for Jalen um it's similar stuff like I mean they have probably uh you know i don't want to say a better supporting cast by any means but i think they have a few other guys who can you know can carry the load in the meantime emmanuel quickly is obviously not shy uh at this point we saw what he did against the celtics when they didn't have jalen brunson and still won that game uh on the road um but what's what's interesting with with the with and without jalen stuff this year is just like when they're on the road with him or without him rather um their games don't seem to to be quite as high uh, of scoring versus when they're you know on the on the uh the at home rather um and, and so just interestingly, it's not a very large sample size, but like it's a very specific situation that like without Jalen on the road, um, you know, they're they're basically just like scoring uh, not near not quite as many points, uh, excuse me, a few more points than they are at home. Um, the pace is also a bit up. So like without him, they're, they're just not as efficient of an offense. It's basically just nine more three point attempts per game uh, when Jalen's not in there because it's Julius Randle, newly found three point guru, apparently Julius Randle, who's been averaging more than nine three point attempts for the last like month and a half, uh, almost two months of the season, which is how he got inserted into that three point contest in the first place, because all of a sudden he was just like, I'm hoisting. Um, and that's, that's their offense. Um, and, and quickly is responsible for that as well. When he's playing without, um, Jalen Brunson, obviously his usage goes way, way up. And then his, the, the th- amount of threes that he shoots in that usage also go way, way up. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a reason for that. He's a better defender though. Uh, Emmanuel quickly is a better defender than Jalen. He's a very good defender actually. Um, probably has some all defensive teams in his future uh, and if he's getting more minutes than Jalen Brunson is then that also kind of tends to lead me lead me towards a bit less points um, and a bit of an under so Jalen not playing really is sort of a, a bit of a determining factor for me you kind of made the point if Jalen doesn't if you if you want to get ahead of Jalen not playing plus two and a half or excuse me minus two and a half for the Kangs at home in this situation feels pretty good knowing that they're going to have their star point guard and, and uh, captain and, and, and De'Aaron Fox um, if, if they if Jalen Brunson isn't playing Manuel quickly will still probably have a really good game um I think he'll he'll be able to do his thing but I think it's it's more defense less offense in that situation with Emmanuel uh than with Jalen because with the fact that this team doesn't get assists like they're gonna play the same style of ball if if Jalen's in there or not they're just gonna have someone who's like a top five point guard versus not having him being able to play those one-on-one style matchups that they that they create on offense they need him for that uh quickly probably relies a bit more on certain like pick and rolls and things yeah i forgot to mention that the sacramento b in their preview for this game tonight said we're watching the status of two all-star guards from each team and then completely must have facepalmed their editor realizing that jalen brunson was not an all-star for some stupid student uh but he is 
lighting the league on fire since. And just to address that, I mean, <clears throat> could the Knicks and Kings be any more parallel right now having, you know, been – I mean, I guess the Kings in the early 2000s were a contender getting all the way to the Western Conference Finals. They were thwarted by crooked refs. The Knicks thwarted by Michael Jordan. But uh, in any case, both of them have been woebegone since, and I will not have you say that you think are not one of the most downtrodden, laughed-at franchises in the last 20 years. Uh, but, yeah, looking at this particular matchup, I, I mean, that Celtics game with Quickly is an anomaly. The Celtics are an anomaly right now. They will cough up any lead. The Knicks have played a ton of overtime games lately, too, against both the Celtics and others that have that have skewed their their totals, um, more points per game. So I, yeah, I mean, like you pointed out, yeah, the road games are are still not averaging that much. And even if Sacramento does average those kind of crazy things, those are typically against the Western Conference um, and and up and down teams. And you look at De'Aaron Fox against the Eastern Conference this year; it's varied wildly depending on whether he's facing. I think a team that that can that has more athleticism and more paint protection like the Knicks and overall averaging 19 and a half points per game. Uh, you know, Tibbs is going to have something there for him. And Mike Brown's going to have something there for Julius Randle, who has not been efficient against the Mike Brown coached Warriors in the last five years or so. Granted, Draymond Green's out there guarding him. But uh, I think, you know, a good coach like Brown, if if Jr. is going to be the top option here, I think that kind of is trouble for the Knicks. Fair. I would also throw out there, actually, though, if, uh, once again, Jalen Brunson does not play, pay attention to that uh, before you do anything with this game, to be honest, unless you're trying to get ahead of him not playing. Um, I also like RJ a bit. This team, the the, um, the Kings do give up a, a bunch of points. Keegan Murray, not the best defender as a rook. Um, and, and from that position, you know, small forward, power forward, whatever you want to call him, he plays just up front court forward um, on the wing as well. Like, I, I like RJ in this matchup. He had 27 uh, and nine boards last game, uh, as well as getting to the line nine times. And with that, that type of bully ball. So, you know. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Uh, so, Nate, let's go ahead and jump right into your first for tonight, Mr. Gordo Hayward. Yeah, Charlotte coming off uh, beating your Knickerbockers with Gordo leading the way. Um, <clears throat> and he's really been pretty good in his last 10 here, half of them basically without LaMelo. He's averaging 20 points, five rebounds, five assists in that span. <clears throat> that includes 19, five, and six against Detroit in the game where LaMelo got hurt. You look at his splits since last season without LaMelo. Points per game go up three to 17 and a half. Uh, the usage rate goes up from 19 and a half to 23%. Plays a few more minutes as well. Only one, I mean, only twice in this 10 game span has he failed to score 16, which is where his prop is at 16 and a half. Uh, and that was against matchups against Mikel Bridges and Kevin Durant. It's pretty much 
the toughest you can get there for a small forward. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, he's knifed through bad defenses. And Detroit is the second worst defense in the league. They've already ruled out Boyan, Alec Burks, Isaiah Stewart. They give up the six most points to small forwards in general. Boyan's not really a defensive stopper anyway. So 16 and a half points, like I said, slightly better odds if you tack on five rebounds or five assists. Um, I think I like the rebounds a little bit more because Detroit is a young team that's playing with pace and not scoring a lot. Um, so I, I do think he gets a few boards here as well, but I think he scores closer to 20 than 16. Yeah. I would also throw Hamadou Diallo is also out. He got hurt after he was supposed to be getting a bunch of minutes the other night. So I, I don't know who's left on the wing. We know Cade's been hurt. Um, they are going to have Killian Hayes back. So that's one person. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know who's going to be on the line for Detroit to stop them. Like, I, even Bogey, like if he was out there, I would feel better about it, to be honest, right? But uh, Bogey's got an Achilles thing now, might be done for the season. Really sad to see about that. But either way. Which, uh, which is to say, Jaden Ivey's props are appealing as well. I mean, the points that assists together, uh, he's been balling out with, with nobody around there to take any of the touches away. Yeah, if he wasn't, I would have said Isaiah Livers. He has a nine and a half point uh, prop right now. Yeah. He's also been getting enough minutes to to be you know worthy of a, of attention right now. But with with Ivy back too, though, that does put a little bit of a dent in him. Enough Pistons talk. Let's move on to the Pacers, <laughs> where I'm going back to the well, man, because I think Halliburton's stats are still just a little bit too low. We loved him the other night. We hit what three bets with him all at plus odds, I believe, uh, in that game where he went off um, in their loss to the 76ers. Great matchup as the 76ers have been the second worst team at guarding point guards only second behind the the Houston Rockets who are the worst at guarding that position and maybe the worst defensive team in the league I think we can give them that nod at this point um and Halliburton's points are at 22 and a half his points and assists um 33 and a half on DK it's minus 105 on DraftKings there um you could probably get 30 uh you could get that a little bit lower like 32 and a half but for way worse odds so I would just take the 33 and a half points and assists combined in Halibaby's last seven 26 and a half points a game um which is beautiful and then 11 and a half assists per game in that time as well uh, obviously aided by having what like 7 15 16 the other night or whatever he had 17 something insane uh in a game that he actually got out dueled by james harden who happened to have more assists he had 20 in that one but um he's in those last seven he's played four of the top 10 defenses in the league um including the bulls twice uh still playing and, and you know a couple of those were on the road this one's at home he scores more points at home has a, a slight uptick in assists as well indy as in general has a hundred you know 15 offensive rating at home versus a hundred 11 on the road they're scoring six more points in their home building so uh houston in that bad defense like i said not one of those top four not not one of those top 10 defenses i was mentioning um they in their last seven have been bottom three in allowing points per game at 122 three pointers made at like more than 15 and a half uh and assists as well allowing the most points per game to point guards and the second most assists to point guards which was really what drew my eye to this one in the first place you combine halliburton with a team that just does not have a point of attack defender anywhere especially with jalen green uh getting as many minutes as he is right now like, yeah, this is a, a pretty good matchup for Halliburton. And I, I don't know that the blowout factor even really is is something to be worried about. I know that the Rockets suck, but like they, they kept it close last time they played to about eight points. Uh, and then also uh, Indy is just not quite as good in the situations where they're expected to win. Kind of like I was talking about in that magic video, like it's not the spot for them to be like dominant. I think they're going to give up a, a bunch of points tonight as well. Yeah, I definitely like this game for some props. I'm a little concerned, you know, you talk about, how he's lit up some of the top defenses in terms of scoring Halliburton. 
I think it's a situation where he he gets buckets when his team doesn't have other places to go, but he I think he'll be facilitating more in this matchup because the, Houston's so bad everywhere that I kind of would lean towards the assist more, definitely combining it. I wouldn't just go straight points, 22 and a half. Um, because you look at some of his lines against like Portland, Sacramento, like other Utah, other really bad defenses, and he's getting double digit dimes, but I don't know if he's going to have that same usage rate to score. Uh, but the threes and the assists are definitely in play for our guy. Um, nobody's guy here, but somebody who we want to target villain Brooks nice. over 13 and a half points, uh, pretty much even money at MGM, which is notable. If you get it at that book, because it's like minus 120 at DraftKings or other spots, because it's pretty obvious the usage is going to be up here with no John Moran, also no Steven Adams or Brandon Clark. So minutes are going to be there. It's against the Warriors, which is a testy, testy rivalry. And Brooks loves to insert himself into those spots. Um, he's going to have to try to back up his his mouth here because he's going to be, what, the number two, two A option with J, Triple J here. Uh, his last six in the regular season against Golden State, I emphasize that because he's not very good in the playoffs, but 16 points per game on a 24% usage rate, and his usage rate goes up to 29% when Ja is out. In nine without Ja this season, he's getting 19 points per game. So uh, also it's about three and a half boards and three assists. If you want to make it 18 and a half PRA, I think that's fine. And there should be stats all over the place here with Golden State playing at an insane pace and just being absolutely abysmal on defense on the road just uh yeah shake your head again i can't believe they gave up 141 to the thunder without their second best player uh without andrew wiggins on the season they now have a 124 defensive rating on the road and wiggins is the guy who would have been guarding brooks so now he'll work against uh kuminga and, and other maybe even smaller guards um as he tries to 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 pick up the slack here with that job yeah uh i pfft, yeah the Warriors on the road, like we, we believe you. I, I we were texting last night, and I said, "I believe you, Warriors. You are the Houston Rockets when you play on the road." Got it. Like we, we get it now. This it, is not an anomaly when you do it uh, thirty-five times or thirty-two times. Or how many games they've had on the road this season? So, uh, Villain Brooks, I, I like that game. I haven't heard that before. Thirteen and a half points. It's pretty low, um, and I and I like the the minus one hundred five on MGM there. But like you said, if you want to add some of the hustle stats uh, and some rebounds as well, I wouldn't wouldn't have a problem with that. This is pretty low for him uh tonight so i'm gonna go with my guy brolo uh having a, just an absolute tear of a season and really uh you know a, a tear of a, a last you know let's say eight games which i'll talk about he's got uh, a prop for his points and rebounds that's 20.5 there so he needs to get 21 combined points and, and rebounds um he's been averaging 21 points per game in his last eight um he has not failed to he has gotten his props 14 and a half points five and a half boards or 20 and a half uh, points and rebounds. He's gotten that in every single game over those last eight. One game he failed to get the the, the rebounds, but he still had the 18 points in there. So like, uh, I don't get why it's so low. Nick Claxton is out tonight. So is Royce O'Neal. So is Cam Johnson. Um, those are three very big guys for them down low where they're already not a very good team down low. Uh, shockingly or unshockingly, they relied on Kevin Durant for like eight rebounds a game and now they don't have him uh, and they are the second worst rebounding team in the league at, that, at this point. 
um, just hemorrhaging boards, really. Uh, and and versus um, Brooklyn in the past, you know, Brook has done well. Even when Nick Claxton's been in there, he's gotten over these props with 14 points and seven boards this season uh, in just 28 minutes. Uh, and he's actually averaging 31 over his last eight, where, like I said, he's averaging those 21 points, seven boards, also a couple blocks in there uh, if you wanted to look at that prop. Uh, but like I said, Brooklyn, not only are they the, the, the second worst rebounding team in the league over their last eight, they're also allowing the most rebounds per game of any team to centers uh, specifically. So I just think, you know, the, the alt rebounds might be a better bet. Five and a half is the rebound uh, prop for him right now. And that's like minus 140. It's like the best odds you're going to get on that. Go ahead and take it. If you want to alt it uh, and, and get one more, bump it up to six and a half boards on DraftKings, gets you up to plus 105 at least, um, which is some nice juice back for him to get the seven rebounds, which is right on the cusp. Um, I think the 20 and a half points of rebounds either way is pretty much a lock. Yeah, I was surprised to see his game log, how productive he's been lately. I mean, because you often look at Lopez and you're like, how are you only getting three rebounds a game? But uh, yeah, he's starting to board up. I think that those boards are definitely in play. It's minus 200 for him to get two blocks. So they expect Brooklyn to be getting sent back at the rim here. Um, I think he will own the paint. It's just a question of, is it going to be a blowout? Uh, minus 13 yeah. is where it was a minute ago. Um so, but I do think yeah. Giannis Drew might might not score as much as usual. Might might see more of a balanced attack from the Bucks as they beat down this uh, shorthanded team. Yeah, this shorthanded team, no Dinwiddie also out there tonight. So yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of those backups. Um, but like I said, we don't use the T word on this show. So no one's accusing anyone of tanking. And that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Check us out on the other game videos we have for you tonight as well. And until we see you next, happy betting. Don't stop, don't stop.